ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm in an amazing mood today. I'm traveling next week. I told you I was traveling next week. I had to take care of some of my beauty stuff over the last couple days, so I had to get my nails redone and my toes, um, got my lashes redone, um, and I had to get a wax or, or a sugaring, actually. I told you last time I went to get a wax here, it was like a wax and like a pluck and like threading. It was a lot. You know what? Like it came out nice, but it was, it, I think that was too experimental for me. So I tried another place. It's called the Honey Pot Spa that specializes in just nether regions. They're a relatively new space. So they, are, they were doing this special where you can get a sugaring, a vajacial, a bum, what did they call it? A, bu- a bum scrub, and as an add-on, you can get a head massage. I was like, I've never tried sugaring, but, you know, it's a thing. It's been around for a while, so let me give it a try. Honestly, I prefer wax. I think it's just because what I'm used to. Sugaring, the way at least this woman did it today, it's just sticky. It's a sticky process. Between her gloves sticking and the stuff being put on me and then the paper pulling it off, like, it was just, it was too much. It's fine. It came out really nice. Which I don't know, is that from the sugaring or is that from the vajayshul? I don't know. Admittedly, it looks nice. I just, as a preference, I think I'm more of a wax girl than a sugar girl. That said, I'll probably go back because I want the vajayshul. I, I, I've never had a vajayshul before. I knew vajayshuls were a thing. Like this woman, she, she scrubbed it and then she, she polished it. She buffed it. She massaged it. You know how like when a face with a facial, they do kind of like under your eye a little bit, but they go in there and they just like they use the thumbs to just, you know, just, I don't know, massage out anything that might be built up and just, you know, get the blood flowing. She did that. But but as a vajayshul, when I say she massaged, I mean, like she massaged. And when I say she polished, I mean, she like went in, she moved my leg around and then she moved some things around every piece and parcel of me was 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 scrubbed was was buffed was polished and was massaged and steamed so the whole process that she's doing this there's steam going like the whole time like it was it was wild and then she asked me to flip over for like the bum she didn't steam my bum but she did polish and buff it and scrub it i mean and went in moved things to the side to like get inside and like a couple times I was like you could eat off that thing right now it was intense it was it was very intense like I was like is this legal I mean I like it but is it legal I don't know uh, but it was very nice I don't know if I do the bum scrub again like it was just kind of invasive but my bum looks really nice the idea is to get your your area summer ready so when you're in like your swimming costumes and things like that, everything will just be nice and just very like clean and crisp and um, what even colored, even textured. What else is going on? Oh, I got my ExpressVPN set up. I've had ExpressVPN on all my devices since the day I got here, but I don't know. I think I just configured the thing wrong. Or maybe like my computer needed an update. But the other day, I just updated everything. Like I updated all the devices, all the apps, everything. I updated my VPN. And suddenly, I can get all my TV again. So remember, we were talking about shows. And I was like, yeah, I had to like bootleg it. And it would just be so frustrating to watch a TV show that I would just, 
I'd, I'd be like, you know what? I'm, I don't feel like going through it. Like the shows were grainy because they're being downloaded from something else. Then you got to go through like a million pop-ups just to get the thing to play. Then it has like all these, um, all these pauses in the middle of the show. The audio is not always right. And I was just like, it's just not worth it. I'd rather just not watch my shows. So I was really bummed about that because you know how like I feel about like my good shows. But now I have access to everything again. The first thing I did, I wrote about this on um, on social media. The first thing I did was go watch um, Reasonable Doubt because I wanted to see Michael Ealy. He's such a nice person in real life. He is such a trash ass human in all the roles that he picks. I don't know why he keeps picking these roles. You have been typecast as a villain. I think he likes that shit. I think he's a very nice person in real life. And, and getting to play these villainous roles makes him feel alive or some shit. I don't know. I wrote about him the other day on, um, on Instagram. It was a long post because there was a really great scene in the most recent episode of Reasonable Doubt. And I was like, Lord God, Michael Ely ain't shit. But also, Lord God, Michael Ely is fine. So I wrote about it. I, I guess I did say I did actually tag him in the thing. I didn't really think about it because I'm like, he's Michael Ely. He gets like tons of freaking, you know, tags and mail and whatever else. DMs, whatever. Michael Ely started following me on Instagram and I was like, shit, now I can't talk my shit because, you know. He'll see it for sure. But Reasonable Doubt is a really good show. I watched Reasonable Doubt first because I wanted to catch up. I watched House of Dragons. The House of the Dragon. Whatever. House of Dragons. Because everyone was talking about this most recent episode where the king dragged himself down the aisle. And I was like, all this excitement because a man walked down the aisle. And then I saw it and I was like, oh yeah, that's heavy. That's, that's, woo. The king... The guy playing the king, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. He, he needs an Emmy. The guy who played, um, not Prince Charles, Prince Philip, Queen Elizabeth's husband. The guy who played him is, is, in, um, is in House of Dragons. He needs an Emmy. The writers need Emmys. CGI, they need Emmys. And not even for the dragons. I mean, the dragons are, are, are amazing. Don't get me wrong. But they did some CGI work on the king's face where like literally one part of his face is, is like his eye is gone and his, his, his cheek has caved in and part of his jaw, cheek, that area um, is just a, a blank hole. The makeup artist, they need Emmys too and a raise, give them people a raise. But I was like, everybody involved in that episode but especially the people I just mentioned. It was an amazing episode of TV. On the heels of another amazing episode of TV. Because the episode, the previous week, I watched that one four different times on bootleg TV. Because I was like, this is amazing fucking television. Just the storyline, amazing fucking television. Now seeing the criticisms of the show, they're like, Demetria, you love a show about, about incest. It's not the incest that I like. I could do without the incest, but it's also just a really good show despite the incest. Game of Thrones had incest too. That was a brother and a sister. This is an uncle and a niece. I don't know if that makes it any better, but it really doesn't. That's not the point. The point is, it's a really good, well-written show. I'll tell you who doesn't need an Emmy though. The lighting director. I don't know why the show is so damn dark. I read the other day, this one of the most expensive... Um, television shows ever made they're spending 15 million usd dollars and dineros on every episode of house of dragon 
and I still got to put my laptop on extra bright in order to see what's going on. Every other show I watch, I could just leave the, the, the settings as is and I could watch the show very fine. Even in, at night, characters are out at night. I somehow can still see them. The middle of the day on Game of Thrones, I'm like, I understand. It's like BC. Y'all don't have electricity. There's no light. Y'all ain't got no candles. The sun don't work. Like, why can't we see y'all? 15 million American USD dollars in dineros and can't nobody see the damn show. The parts we can see are good. But imagine if we could see the whole thing. There was something else I was going to talk about with TV. Oh, Handmaid's Tale. If you've stopped watching Handmaid's Tale, I, I totally understand why. I don't like anybody on that show. I don't like Serena. I don't like June. I don't like Luke. I don't like Mora. I like the, the, um, the Latina. Was she Latina? She used to be the maid. I don't remember the name for the maid. So there was a handmaid, and then there was like a woman who worked in the house. Her. The Latina. She looked like a black Latina. I think that's what she was. I don't know. I liked her, but she's like barely in the show anymore. But June and Serena, the show is, is almost strictly about them now. I hate both them chicks. I almost called them bitches because that's how much I don't like them. I don't like to use that word. I, I hate them. June and Serena could both die in next week's episode, and I might cheer. The last episode, they ran off somewhere together, and I was like, go and be gone. Never come back. I'm, every week, I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not watching this show anymore because I don't care. But I do because I've been watching for the last five seasons, and I have to know what happens. The show has gone beyond the books, so I have to know like how this ends. But I was like, y'all are really, y'all are really stretching this out. And there's another season after this. I was like, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just gonna read recaps. I'm not watching the next season. I'm not. You know, I'm gonna watch the next season, though, right? I, I'm so sick of these damn people. I, I really hate June, and I really hate Serena. I'm not rooting for anybody. I don't really even care if they get that little girl back from Gilead at this point. Because if somebody pointed out, they were like, that's the only life that she knows. Like, you take her out of Gilead at this point. I think the little girl's like, is she 12 now? I think she was five or so when she got captured and separated from her parents. Somebody pointed out and they were like, yes, it'll be traumatic to take her out of Gilead and take her away from the only family that she's ever really known. Like, she has a vague memory of you, but she doesn't really know you anymore because she's been in Gilead and June is all like, well, I can't let my baby, you know, get married off at 14, which valid, valid. And still, I hate June and Serena so much. I don't even care what happens to a 12 year old in Gilead. I just, she going to get married off? Well, all right. At least she's a wife. Mm, she'll be all right. She ain't a handmaid. That's a terrible take. I, I just don't care. I, I hate them people. There are some things that we should care about. Actually, before we get into uh, to Brittany Griner and this never-ending situation in, our, in Iran, two different stories, obviously. I want to talk about good black news. I want to talk about Issa Rae, who's on the cover of Elle magazine this month. I got a little teary when I saw the cover. Issa Rae has been on a million covers. She's had a million awards at this point. I still just, I get a little giddy inside when I see her celebrated, just because I um. I remember working at Essence and she was, she wasn't my assistant per se. She was the assistant for the department at the time. But Naima Jordan, that's my baby, um, who's all grown up now. But I still think of her as like a 22, 23 year old. That's not the point. The point is, as part of our jobs, because I don't want to tell people we were watching TV at work and people be like, y'all did what? Y'all were stealing company time. No, part of the job is to be, you know, duly informed about what's going on in the world, dating, relationships. Um, what are people talking about? So Naima used to sit at work and watch Awkward Black Girl. 
and she didn't have her um, headphones one day. So she was watching it kind of low, but I'm like literally sitting in a cubicle next to her so I could hear it. And there was some line and I like peeked over the cubicle and was like, what are you watching? And she was like, oh, it's the show, Awkward Black Girl. So Naima would, would quote the show sometimes. There was another editor and they would just have like these inside jokes. They were such random lines. And I'd be like, what are y'all talking about? And they were like, oh, Awkward Black Girl. You're not watching it? And I was like, what the fuck? Okay, let me watch Awkward Black Girl. And then I started, I, I started watching it and got completely addicted to it. I say all that to say, to watch someone go from awkward black girl you're starting out as a creator on youtube you have this dream that you want to get done and you can't do it through traditional means and so you just figure it out and then it you know turns into this worldwide phenomenon where your ass is getting nominated for emmys and has you know first look deals at hbo and your own production company and also is on the cover of l i remember when Issa ray got the I want to say it was like a full page in Essence. It wasn't the cover yet. I remember when she got her first like full page in Essence and I cried then too. I just feel like I'm totally on this ride with her. It's not my spotlight, but I'm there waving my pom-poms and cheering. I probably do this every time Issa Rae gets a cover, but I was super, super happy for her. And shout out to her makeup artist, Joanna. Joanna used to do my face eons ago. I can't afford Joanna no more. But Joanna could beat a fucking face as Exhibit A. Issa Rae. She don't go nowhere without Joanna on her face and Felicia on her hair. That's why she always looked good. She, she got consistent good people with her. But a couple of tidbits from this article. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, even though I wish I could, because it's really interesting. Issa Rae wakes up every day at 4 a.m. You know, sometimes you'd be like some people, they must have extra hours in the day. No, they just wake up really early. But the article is, uh, it's about her post insecure life. Issa describes herself as being in her quote mogul era. And so Elle points out that she just that she premiered her new series, Rap Shit. She's in the second season of her reality series, Sweet Life, Los Angeles. I've never watched. Sorry. Elle notes that both of those shows are produced by Issa's own media production company, Hooray. She's also starring in a movie called Barbie. It's coming out next summer. And she's currently working for her ultimate goal, which is owning a studio in South L.A., I thought it was interesting, her quote about being a role model. Somebody referred to me as one of those the other day. And I was like, stop doing that shit. I don't, I don't want to be a role model. And I was like, I will, I will disappoint you every time. Issa says about the same. There's a section called on being a role model. And she says, quote, I don't feel any responsibility. <laughs> I'm like, if you look up to me, proceed with caution. That's on you. I'm sorry, while also flattered. But good luck to you if you do. I'm very transparent about my mistakes. I'm very transparent about my journey, but I don't have to watch myself or what I do. If I had a legion of 12-year-old girl fans, I would be more cautious, but I don't think that's the case. And I appreciated this, um, this part of what she said too. Elle asked her what she wished she'd known starting out. And she said that a lot of people really don't know what they're doing and don't know the answers. She says, quote, I think it's so intimidating coming into this and being like they know exactly what they're talking about. So when they're giving me this note, it's because they know what's successful or when they're saying no to this project or this concept, it's because they know what works and what doesn't. No, they don't. They don't know anything. They're learning at the same time as I am. They're just as surprised when something is a hit as I am. These are just people who are winging it. You can do the same amount of research, the same amount of reading, and the same amount of studying as they can to be a step ahead. Aww. 
And there's two different covers. I need to call my mother and ask her to pick up both of these covers so I can have them on my coffee table, my American coffee table. Whenever I have a home again in the U.S., or maybe I'll just ship them over here. I don't know. I started condo hunting over here. I told you I found this place, which I loved. I loved. I think I could have figured out the budget part if I really, really wanted it. But it won't be built until September 2024. And I was like, it's um, it's October 2022. That's two years from now. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, um, what? I would like something sooner than that. I was hoping something by January. Fall at the absolute latest. And everyone is just kind of like, yeah. So, yeah. What? And even for stuff that's, you know, it, it currently in existence, like trying to sell it right now, like people just aren't selling. I'm just like, come on. Womp womp. We'll figure that part out. That's just going to take a little longer than expected. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home. And then there's a version of it where you have someone help you. You watch them do it the right way. And you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Brittany Griner. I definitely want to talk about Brittany Griner because it seems no one's talking about Brittany Griner. She was all over the news. It was a really big story about her being arrested and her being detained. And then she got sentenced to nine years in, in Russian prison, possibly Russian work camp. She has an appeal coming up on October 25th. Biden and the State Department were supposed to be trying to get her out of Russia, her and, and somebody else. They were trying to exchange them for an arms dealer or something like that. Russia said it was willing to play ball and then nothing happened. So Britney's wife did an interview with Gail King. I know, is her name Sherelle or Cheryl? C-H-E-R-E-L-L-E. It could be Sherelle. It could be Cheryl, because I know black people. Mrs. Griner. That's safe. Mrs. Griner sat down with Gail on CBS Morning to talk about Britney. She referred to her wife as a hostage. She says to know that our government and the foreign government is sitting down and negotiating for her release. She's a hostage. Mrs. Griner, who does have a legal degree, she did note that, you know, that her wife did commit a crime. Britney's defense was what she had on her. She didn't mean to have. It was accidental. And that also it was medicinal marijuana, even though medicinal marijuana is not legal in Russia. So Mrs. Griner does acknowledge and she said, yes, there was a crime 
and it should warrant a punishment, but the punishment must be balanced. So one of the popular arguments for people who say, well, you know, so she got nine years. Well, she's not in America and outside of America, people set their own rules and precedents and she has to abide by that because that's the rules of their country. Um, sentencing someone to nine years in jail over weed is not Russia's typical punishment. But there have been stories coming out of young blonde white women who also had weed in Russia and got sentences of three months. Mrs. Griner went on to say that she's spoken to Brittany twice by phone while she's been detained. And she said the most recent call, she described it as, quote, the most disturbing phone call I'd ever experienced. She said, you could hear that she was not okay. She said, Brittany spent 30 seconds to two minutes on the call crying. She said, if you think about just a person suffering and when they have suffered to a max, like you could hear that she was at the max that day. Mrs. Griner said she didn't know if her wife, quote, has anything left in her tank to continue to wake up every day and be in a place where she has no one. And she said after that phone call, she cried for two or three days and could barely get out of bed. <sighs> she said that Brittany is, quote, at her absolute weakest moment in life right now. And I'm sorry, I'm reading this from from CBS News. I said it was um, a part of the Gail King interview. You know, I like to just cite my sources. Mrs. Griner also said Brittany is, quote, very afraid about being left and forgotten in Russia or just completely used to the point of her detriment because she's like, you know, saying things to me like my life just don't even matter no more. Mrs. Griner explains that, quote, the reality of the situation is that once the hearing is held and the order is finalized, Brittany's now in a position where she could be moved to a labor camp. And she says of herself, my brain can't even fathom that. She does say that she's spoken to President Biden. She says, quote, he's doing what he can to secure Britney's release. She said, ultimately, it's going to require the cooperation of Putin. And right now he's, uh, you know, he's tied up with Ukraine. You know, that war is still going on. Speaking of things that, you know, were big news stories. And then all of a sudden it just stopped mattering. Ukraine. I saw something the other day about there's like a mass bombing of all these cities in Ukraine. And I was like, I'm sorry, are they still at war? Because I, ha- I ain't heard nobody mention Ukraine in, I don't know, a month, six weeks, maybe longer than that. Not since I got to Ghana. I haven't heard a word about Ukraine. Lo and behold, they're still at war. I was like, what? I don't, I just thought it had ended. I don't know why I thought that because I hadn't heard anything about it, I guess. It's a whole war that everyone was talking about at one point. COVID was supposed to be on a second wave and then Russia invaded Ukraine and then COVID, I guess it went away as a news story. So it went away completely because that's how viruses work. I don't know. The article notes that NBC News reported that the U.S. had offered to exchange Griner. That's what I was saying earlier. And another American detained by Russia, Paul Whelan, and they were exchanging him for an arms dealer who'd been serving a 25 year prison sentence. After Britney was sentenced in August, Russia said it was ready to discuss the possibility of a swap. But U.S. officials have said Russians have yet to come up with a serious counteroffer. So in the meantime, Britney Griner just sits in prison for now and up to the next nine years. I can't even imagine. I will tell you this, um, and, and this is not to make it about me, but also all traveling black girls. 
there's definitely a vulnerability to traveling around the world as a woman, especially a single woman. But there's also been sort of a, I don't know, there are pros to being an American guest because, you know, people want your money in countries that operate off tourism dollars. People don't want a lot of harm to come to Americans, especially because it'll just it'll it'll disturb the, the tourism dollars. It's not necessarily about the value of, of the individual person. It's about fucking up the church's money. I've walked around with a bit of and perhaps naivety or arrogance even that nobody's really going to bother me. I mean, will somebody try to assault me because I'm a woman? Maybe it's possible. It's happened in the U.S. I wouldn't expect it. You know, somebody wouldn't try it elsewhere. That's unfortunately part of being a woman, something you have to worry about. Could I get robbed? Possibly. That's happened in the U.S. as well. But things like, is someone going to kidnap me? I've always been like, no, never. For what? They think black people are broke. You can put up a ransom, but who's paying it? Like the American government is not coming to get me. You think I'm broke, so you don't think my family would be able to afford anything of worth. So what's the point? Go get a little blonde white girl. The government will go head over heels for her. You think she has money anyway. Her family can pay it. Like that's, that's always been sort of like in the back of my head. Like they'll never take me. They'll never bother me. For what? Because what are you going to get in exchange for me? And then this shit happened with Britney Griner. And I was like, shit. A lot of traveling black girls are like that. Shit. Like all this time I've been walking around thinking, you're not going to be bothered with me. Because it's like, what you going to get from me? You're just going to take me just to take me? Yeah. Russia just took this woman. I think if it was a national news story in an election year, a presidential election year, there would be more done about getting Britney Griner back. Because you'd want to make the black people happy and be like, you know, black women, we do care. Please continue to come out and vote in droves as you do for the Democratic Party. I think it would, it would probably weigh more then. But right now, if Russia makes it easy to take her back, okay, fine. The American government, they're not going to war over Brittany Griner. It's just, it's the fact of the matter. They're not. I think Russia banked on like, oh, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll get her and that you'll go above and beyond for her. And America's just not going to. It's America. She's a black woman. Russia banked on America, you know, caring. And I think to a degree, black people care. I don't think Biden doesn't care. I just don't think, you know, and, and all the things going on with the administration, it's just really not that high up on the, uh, the list of things to do. If they wanted to get it done, they would. America could go invade Russia. It, they could. Physically, we could. We have the power, too. We could. Are we going to? No, not over that. She's not Helena Troy, not to America. If I was president, I'd go get her black ass just on GP. I don't want the world thinking they could just go kidnap black women and hold them hostage or, or sentence them to insane numbers of years in prison over minor offenses. I would want to send a message about what you can and cannot do to American citizens. But I'm a hothead and a black woman. And that's just me. I also wanted to talk about this situation in Iran. We talked about it previously, I think, when it was in week one. It started out as the women of Iran, and then it's gone now to the students of Iran. And now, it's, I feel like half the country is protesting right now. It went from an uprising over the death of death, the murder of a young woman by the morality police, a, a department of the Iran police force that is strictly dedicated to enforcing women's modesty. Whole police force dedicated to this. They find this girl. They say she's not wearing her hijab correctly. They take her 
wherever they beat the shit out of her, she dies. Women of Iran go batshit because they're just like, enough, enough. This is probably not the first time this happened. I want to say it's probably like their George Floyd moment or their Rodney King moment where uh, bad shit has been happening. This is just me taking an educated guess because like, I know how people's anger works. I'm a guess this is not the first time a woman has been harmed, bothered, abducted, beaten, possibly even killed. This is just the last straw and people have gone off. So we talked about this story a week after it happened. It's been or will be a month, I think, on October 19th that the women of Iran, people of Iran, have been protesting. But I'm, and by protesting, I mean they have gone full Detroit, L.A., D.C. They acting like it's the full 60s out there, bitch. They burning shit down. They flipping over cars. They're going into government buildings. They have gone wild. And I stand by them, just for clarity. I'm reading this on ABC News. I'm going to read you a couple different stories. This one is students in Iran say they will continue to protest despite warnings, threats from regime. It says, as nationwide protests in Iran are being violently suppressed by the government, many students across the country are joining the movement, an act of defiance that has come with retaliation. Police and plainclothes security forces raided schools in different cities to arrest students who had participated in the protest. Their crime, 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 it's a crime, taking off their headscarves at school, tearing up photos of government leaders and chanting death to dictator. Large numbers of teens and students have been participating in the protest. They interviewed one high school student in Tehran. She said, we can't just go to class pretending like these are normal days. We know other people, other teenagers that like us who are being killed by the regime. During the protest, several people have been killed. One of them is a young woman, a girl. She's 16 years old. Her name was Serena. She died after allegedly being beaten in the head with batons. This is according to Amnesty International. There was another girl, 16. Her name is Nika. She went missing for eight days after protesting in Tehran. Her mother said she was seen burning her headscarf in street protests. And then she died at the hands of security forces. Iranian authorities are blaming both teen deaths on suicides. The police are raiding schools and kidnapping, I would say, students. Iran's education minister has denied that there are students in prison, even though there are students telling everyone, hey, they came and arrested so-and-so while we were sitting in class today. But they're like, no, we don't have anybody. And then in the same breath, they're like, oh, if students are detained in some cases, what? You just said you don't have any students. But if, they, but if there are students, it is for their upbringing and amending. In such a situation, these students may become antisocial characters and we want to fix them. He said these people who we, who we didn't detain, okay, they will return, these people that we don't have, they will return to school after learning their manners. According to a recent report from Iran Human Rights, at least 201 people have been killed in the nationwide protest since they started on September 17th. I'm sorry, I, I thought it was the 19th. It's the 17th. The Children's Rights Association, an Iranian NGO, at least 28 of those 201 people killed are children. This is what a female protester said of the people who are, are being killed. 
these people are mostly women and they are mostly young and they go and they fight back and they scream at the police and they are not scared of anything. And that's beautiful. In case you're wondering what exactly they're fighting for, is this this like, like what do they want? Um, they want a regime change. ABC asked a protester, they said, what do you want? She said, we don't want this government to be here anymore. I'm very hopeful for this change. I think we can win this. I think it's going to end well for Iran and the women of Iran. There's so much happening over there right now. I think we talked on a previous episode about how um, they shut down the internet access, which could you imagine? Could you imagine in America if they like shut down our internet access during a protest? Like people would, that would make people even crazier. I think it's part of what's happening in Iran. In the middle of people protesting about oppression, you try to oppress them more. It's just pissing them off further. I hope they go full Egypt. I hope they keep their foot on the government's neck until they relent, until they step down, until they get what they want. I'm reading this now on the Washington Post. They're talking about the crackdown from the government. This is an opinion piece from the editorial board. The title is, Any Run, A New Generation Rises, The Theocracy Strikes Back. They point out that after years of pent-up anger, young people are taking to the streets in a direct challenge to the theocracy that has ruled since 1979. It's the year I was born. The Iran president addressed professors and students at a university in Tehran. He recited a poem that equated the rioters to inconsequential flies. There was a gentleman. I'm, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not even going to try. But he created a song a protest anthem, if you will. Think of Kendrick Lamar or Nina Simone. He posted the song on Instagram. It went viral with 40 million views in less than 48 hours. On September 29th, he was accused of, quote, propaganda against the system and, and quote, inciting people to violent acts. He was arrested before being released on bail and prohibited from leaving the country. There was a, a former presenter for Islamic Republic of Iran Broadcasting. He was detained by a court order for, quote, inciting riots and sympathizing with the enemy. His offense, posting messages in support of the protests on Instagram. There was a soccer star who publicly said that the government of Iran should, quote, solve the problems of the Iranian people rather than using oppression. He had his passport revoked. There was a famous actor that said he'd undergone hours of interrogation because of his support for the protest. He says, quote, I was summoned twice, interrogated for 10 hours and banned from leaving the country to prove to me that I was wrong when I said that even a peaceful protest is not possible in this country. The Washington Post goes on to say it is not clear how many have been killed, but the total is clearly in the dozens across 17 provinces. He says, but what has become clear is how deeply and broadly Iranians yearn for normalcy and to be free of the dictatorial clerics. It is a spirit of disenchantment that cannot be arrested. People have stopped giving a fuck and this is not going away. They're not going to get tired of it. They're not going to get tired of fighting. People are willing to die. So unless you're going to kill everybody, so you have no one to rule, you got to find some way to work with them because this is this not going to end until you give the people what they want. May God, because that's who I pray to, may God be with them. Allah, I already believe, is with them. You know me, I'm real power to the people, power to the black people, power to the Iranian people, power to the oppressed people. You know, I'm like borderline militant because of my parents. You remember that episode where my mom was like, why do you think we're militant? <laughs> and I was like, you have a metal black power fist in, in the living room. And she was like, it's not metal, it's brass. That's not the point. That's not the point. 
That thing is sitting up on the mantle, like in the middle of the living room, in the center. Pictures from my graduation, not in the middle of the mantle. Pictures of my parents' wedding, not in the middle of the mantle. A black power fist of brass, because that thing is heavy as shit, on the mantle. During the episode, my mother, she said, that's not my black power fist. She said, that's your father's black power fist. I was like, you married the man. You married the man with the black power fist on, on his mantle. She was like, it wasn't on the mantle. He had it on the coffee table. You met this man that had a black power fist on the coffee table and clearly had no objection to his, you know, his, his militancy. She's like, Demetria, everybody had a black power fist. Everybody in Detroit. She said, your father's not militant. She's going to yell to him during the episode. She said, Larry, he's sitting in the living room watching a game, either watching a game or watching CNN. That's all he ever watches. Or Joy Reid. He'll watch MSNBC because he likes Joy. She said, Larry, when did you get the black power fist? He said, I bought it the day Angela Davis got out of jail. Bye. Bye. No wonder I'd be so fired up. I bought the black power fist the day Angela Davis got out of jail. But you're not militant. Okay. He'll be the first one to tell you. If I call my dad militant, he'd be like, like daddy, you're militant. He'd be like, nah, we just black. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, is this week's episode. <laughs> I'll be back next week with more bullshit and shenanigans. Next week, I should be Zanzibar. God willing. Still iffy on Kenya. My visa ain't come back yet. It's supposed to take 48 hours. I turned it in Monday? Tuesday, Wednesday? I should have had it yesterday at the latest. It's still not here. I'm getting on the plane anyway. Zanzibar's in Tanzania. I got a week before I need to be in Kenya. So, Lord willing. <laughs> All right, y'all. Talk soon. Bye.